1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Five seconds left in the game. Over. you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable.
2: The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Face-Off podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it. Eiselman picks it up. Isman holding blue line chance. And
1: it's nine o'clock
0: on a Saturday night as you are lining up for a generation way to go game. And
1: the Zonsikora kicks it out, got it back near side for
2: daily face-off
1: the daily face-off
2: The daily face-off podcast with your host brock segan
1: welcome ladies and gentlemen to season three episode two of the daily face-off podcast today we are going to be talking about all things left wingers Uh, of course i'm your host brock segan and with me as always michael beebs Bondi, how's it going beebs
0: it's going good super ready for this left winger go i'm a lot tougher than center so i'm kind of excited how you doing brock
1: I'm not bad, I'm a little bit congested, got the cough, stuffed up a yeah, bit, I, pro- I probably easily. sound just terrible right now, but uh, in Brantford, no longer home with us, uh, Dylan D. Berthium, how's it going, bud?
2: It's going pretty good, man, pretty excited for season three, episode two, I like how we have seasons now. Oh yeah. Um, makes it sound like this is a real show, so, yeah.
1: I'm just surprised that we've made <laughs> it to season three without anybody telling us to get off the microphones.
2: I think some people have yeah, going to say yeah. I'm sure there is a couple people thinking a couple we'll
1: people thinking about it after my performance. No one that matters week. enough. That's nice. <laughs> Call them out. Let them know. But uh yeah, so I was pretty banged up last week so my performance was uh subpar for sure, but I vow to be uh significantly better on the mic this week. Um the, first
0: go of the season. <laughs> the
1: episode that I put out was honestly like I think I probably cut out like 50 minutes of me just going off and you can probably tell like it was pretty choppy but there was just some <laughs> stuff where I was like god man I just gotta cut this out I'm just having a fit right now so mm-hmm. uh, we won't even go there we're just gonna you know try to keep it on uh on the I rails just, this I week I think it's
2: the last time we go to indoor golf before the show um or real golf for that matter
1: I think yeah. we just need to golf <laughs> after no I I don't know yeah yeah we should just cut golf out altogether. Whenever they serve you beer in a tube that's like a yard, yeah. two yards long, <laughs> you know that it's gonna get the best you eventually.
2: Especially when and you gotta go teams. talk
1: on a microphone after. Never a good idea. But anyways, boys, uh, <laughs> let's talk left wingers. We're gonna do it the same as we did it last week. Uh, we're gonna go through our respective top tens at the position. Talk about our breakout left wing sleeper, rookie, and bust at the position. And uh, we'll get to some Twitter questions at the end. Uh, unlike last week, we will actually take a break this week, halfway between, or uh, halfway through the episode, I should say. Something that I probably should have did last week, taking a chill pill. Yeah, calm down just taking a, little, take a little breather. But, uh, yeah, we did do that last week, so <laughs> we're going to do it this <laughs> week. <laughs> so, uh, Beebs, we started with you last week, so D, why don't we start with you? Go ahead and give us your, we'll start with your top five left-wingers, uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Um,
2: so, number one, you know, no real surprises. I got Ovechkin still. Um, you know, a bit of an off year last year 33 goals, 36 assists, uh, a dip in shots, 398 down to 313. Uh, and, you know, the second lowest shooting percentage of his career kind of explains for that dip in production, at least as far as goals are concerned. Um, but, you know, left wing is kind of slacking on uh, top end talent these days. Ovechkin's still a monster on the power play, led the league last year with 17 goals. Uh, it's the fifth straight season. He's led the league in power play goals, which is pretty crazy. Um, and yeah, I just like betting on Ovi for a bounce back because, you know, any, any simple uptick or aggression, in either shots or shooting percentage could kind of, uh, easily push him back over 40 goals. And, you know, even if he has the same kind of struggles he ran into last year, um, that floor is kind of right at the, the rest of the, uh, the class's ceiling, I guess. Um, so then at two, I got Jamie Ben, uh, Another guy whose shot totals went down last year a lot more drastically from 247 to 201, um, definitely concerning. Ovi's a little more easy to deal with because he's still shooting the puck over 300 times. Ben is just not a 40 goal threat to me at this point. Uh, not with 200 shots anyway. He needed you know 250 shots and to shoot three points higher than his career average to make it happen two years ago. Um, you know, still still got uh, you know the potential for 45 assists. Um, right around 70 points so I, again makes him the clear number 2 to me and then I got Marchand after that um, really hard for me to buy into him but he was outstanding last year, the assists kind of came out of nowhere 39 goals, 46 assists uh, his previous career high was 28 so betting on that kind of playmaking for him seems unwise given his high on ice shooting percentage but he's just like I said such a monster at even strike and gets all the playing time in the world um, on the power play so I think a 35-35 year seems more than doable for Marchand again but I'm kind of curious uh, what you guys thought, because in doing this to me, like it seems kind of easy to make the cutoff at this point, like the guys below Martian. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I had I had Forsberg and then Pachetty to to finish out my top five, um, and they're 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 two guys that are kind of in the same tier to me. But I don't know what you guys think.
0: Oh, mine's mine's quite a bit different. Um, at least my top five, my top three are kind of the same. I had the the, the top tier there and. Um, I had to put Ovi at one again just because it is Alex Ovechkin. He had a little bit of an off year, but this was a guy who, you know we were putting up there with Sid for previous drafts. Um, and you could grab either one. You were, you were getting clearly one of the best players in the league. So I don't think we can take that away from him. He's an elite goal scorer um, on a very good team. Yet again, Washington's going to be very successful, score a lot of goals. And Ovi's going to shoot the puck a ton. You know that. So um, for a lot of the same reasons, it's D. Adam up there. Um, I also have Ovi. At two, I got Jamie Ben. Um, him and Tyler Sagan are going to have a bounce back here, I believe, with uh, Radulov up there. So that team's going to be nasty, but I don't think um, – I just like the goals a lot more from Obi. which are start putting him just a bit above uh, Jamie Benn there. And then third, Brad Marchand again. And D, I actually struggled with this too because I looked at his um, his previous career numbers, previous to last year and the year before, um, and they, they're, they're very, very, um, very average. Um, so it was yeah. tough. It was tough to put Marchand here, but after a 37 goal year and then last year, which was just, uh, it was really his coming out party. And um, at, at one point, there was a lot of people thinking that he was competing with McDavid even for the point lead um, until McDavid took off in the last couple months there. Um, but even at halfway point. So I think Marchand is, uh, he's, he's He's a great player, um, and uh, a great fantasy player at this point in his career. And like you said, down, there's no one really going to take his time. There, he's going to get elite minutes. So I got right. Rashawn third. Um, this is kind of where I vary up, though. Um, at number four, I got Johnny Goudreau.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: had um, he also had a kind of a kind of a down year last year, but someone who I expect to really really break out this year. Um, Calgary is an exciting team, and I think they're they're going to come out flying. Johnny Goudreau last year really struggled out of the gate, and maybe it was something. Um, to do with his contract dispute, but um, but once he got it going, he kind of brought himself back to Johnny Gaudreau pace and uh, someone who I like a lot, just um, for both goals and end assists on your team and power play points. He's going to get a he's clearly the best offensive player out there in Calgary. Um, and then at number five, uh, kind of switched up as well. I got Artemi Panarin, um, new to Columbus, but he um, I actually had him higher up this list. And then I kind of thought of how how um, how previous. Um, top players have done in Columbus overall um, offensively, and I just I couldn't put him up there any higher. So um, five is where I have him at. But, Brock, uh, you can chime in here and show us what you got.
1: I think that was literally the longest I've stayed quiet for in a single episode ever.
2: Yeah. Just trying so hard to make up for last week. Yeah,
1: dude, I was. I was like, I'm just going to be Brock quiet. Brock was like,
2: because last, last week, and stuff. I
1: interjected like every 31 seconds. So Dude, nice. honestly,
2: like halfway through when I was talking, I was like, can Brock even hear me right now? Like, yeah. what? Did, did we lose Brock? <laughs> Where
1: did he go? He's been yeah. so I kind of got excited. Man, this is weird. Yeah, I checked the
2: <laughs> Skype feed at one point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See if I disappeared. Uh, but yeah, mine's not too different from what you guys have. Uh, I have Ovechkin at the top as well. Um, Ovechkin, you know, he scored 50 goals in three consecutive campaigns before last year. Uh, a yeah. small dip in shooting percentage for him, which is hilarious to say because he still shot ten and a half percent. But mm-hmm. that that represents a, a you know a two percent dip from his career average. So even if he shoot shot at his career average with his dip in shot uh, volume, he still would have been at thirty eight goals. So uh, if you if he shoots the puck just you know even a little bit more this year, you know more back to his career average, uh, he should get easily over forty goals and. He's one of the lone guys who you could really expect to even push for 50 every year. He is getting up there in age, but also uh, his power play production is elite. You know, him and Nicholas Backstrom are both ridiculous on the man advantage. So that helps uh, push him over the edge a little bit Mm, as well. That shot
0: can't go cold.
1: No, it can't. But like, it's crazy when you look at this guy's numbers, like I'm just, 2007, 8, 446 shots, the following year, 528. (laughs) Like what a a monster. That year is insane, eh?
2: 528. I I was looking at it. I think it's like 10 of 12 career, or 10 or 12 uh, seasons in the NHL for his career. He led the league in shots.
1: Yeah, it's insane. (laughs) He just loves to fire the biscuit. Him. Uh, but I have Jamie Bennett number two uh, for all the same reasons you guys kind of already mentioned. I don't really expect him to get back to forty goals, uh, but he was comfortably in the mid thirties there for a couple years. Uh, that seems to be a reasonable pace for him. The the whole Stars offense kind of struggled last year, so I'd expect them to maybe take a you know a step back in the direction that we'd seen. I mean, like they led the league in goals. Uh, in 2015-16, and then they dropped to 17th in the league last year. So Uh, uh, I'd expect them to kind of at least crawl back into the top 10, which will help uh, bench shot volume, I'm assuming, uh, and just his overall production. Uh, I like him to be right around the uh, point-per-game mark. Uh, Number three, Brad Marchand as well. I remember this time last year, we were all kind of touting this guy as a potential bust because we didn't think he could outpaced what he did the year previous and uh, he sure proved us to be idiots Uh, because he just went out he just went out and uh, was firing on all cylinders last year so uh, the crazy thing about Marshawn is like his on-ice shooting percentage like was not really any higher than it's ever been at any point in his career and he just managed to rack up that many more assists Uh, and then I mean like David Paschenak as as he continues to improve uh, I think that's gonna just continue to help Marshawn and Bergeron's production because that top line mm-hmm. is, is filthy. I mean, like, I think they had, like, a 60-coursey four that they're close to at this past season, which is just uh, pretty much unheard ab- of.
2: Yeah, it's absurd.
1: Uh, number four, I have Phil Forsberg. You guys know that I love uh, Philly fours. Um, Phil. He's turned himself into one of the, the best forwards in the NHL in three short years, and I think it's... People kind of forget that he is only 22 years old, uh, hasn't missed a game in three years, Uh, ranks 13th in the NHL in goals and 27th in points over that span Um, and the most impressive part of what Forsberg did last season especially was uh, most of his damage came at even strength and so if the the Predators power play improves even just slightly this year I think we'll see (laughs) Forsberg's uh, production go up he's uh, pretty much a sure sure bet for 30 goals uh, and assist should be around 30 as well so uh, at a pretty weak position, Phil Forsberg, I think, is one of the safer bets in terms of staying healthy and in kind of production that you can bank on. Um, and then I have Johnny Gaudreau at number five. Uh, Beebs, you kind of alluded to it. He did get off to a bit of a slow start last year. Uh, and, you know, really never even came close to what he did in 2015-16. But uh, the one, similar to Forsberg, the one thing that's nice is... Um, even though Goudreau is undersized, durability really has not been a concern at all uh, through his first couple of years in the NHL. He's got some of the most electrifying hands in the league. And, and like you said, Biebs, uh, I think the Flames really uh, have a lot to prove this year. Uh, everybody kind of thought they were going to be real good last year, never really materialized. Uh, now they got a little bit more stable goaltending, one of the best blue lines in the league. Uh, and I Absolutely. think they're going to do some damage. But, uh, so we all kind of had similar top fives. Uh, D, who's your 6 through 10?
2: Uh, so yeah, like I was saying the like, to me, the top three was kind of its own tier. And then I had like four through seven as kind of this, this mix of players that I had a hard time sorting through. And you guys have already talked about the other two. So I had Forsberg and then Pacioretty. Um, again, I have Forsberg slightly had a Pacioretty, uh, like Brock said, we're all just kind of waiting for Forsberg to really break out, uh, slightly disappointed last year, but his floor is still close enough to Pacioretty's, you know, right around 60 points. Uh, that I feel comfortable kind of taking what in my mind is a small risk on uh, Forsberg. There patch Reddy is kind of just as solid as they come with the position right now. I think, uh, I think,
1: and, uh, sorry, I just think the one thing that the argument there is that patch probably got the more stable floor. Um, and Forsberg's yeah. is pretty good too, but the up, the upside, I think there's a higher ceiling for Forsberg where you kind of, just, exactly. You kind of just know what you're going to get in patch ready.
2: Exactly. And that was the point I was making like, and, uh Forsberg still has a solid enough floor where the difference in them like you feel okay taking that risk. you can yeah. take that and, he, and he was
1: pretty good in the in the playoffs too like he really kind of took his game to another level in the playoffs and led that team too so Forsberg yeah. has I think uh entered his fourth full season this is really where you kind of enter your prime and he should be uh ready to just come out firing for sure um
2: and then I have Panner and Goudreau to go six through seven um I have my doubts Panarin will be able to replicate his success uh in Columbus Obviously, he's a very skilled player, but just don't really feel comfortable relying on the 15.3 shooting percentage and the 11.2 on ice shooting percentage he had over his two years in Chicago, uh, especially not Columbus, not away from Patrick Kane. Again, yep. I still like his floor and his skill as a shooter, which is why I have him above Goudreau. Uh, Johnny's an excellent playmaker, but to me, you know, he hasn't really showed the ability to either shoot or produce shots at an elite level. Um, so that's why I'm at the bottom of this tier because, you know, fantasy tends to lean on goals uh, generally just a little bit more than assists. Uh, then I got Ehlers at number eight, uh, you know, favorite, uh, definitely kind of uh, we've championed him on the podcast before for years. Um, yep. Not much has changed. Still a very skilled young player, put up 64 points a year ago in his age 20 season. Um, just 204 shots, led to 25 goals. So definitely uh, kind of room to grow in terms of his shot production uh, with the age that he's at. Uh, and we saw him become kind of a major player on the Jets team last year as the year went along. He averaged 17 and a half minutes a game. Uh, I think his role should continue to grow this season. So I, I just think there's a lot of reasons to like Ehler. Uh And then I got Huberto at nine. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty optimistic ranking. He had 26 points in 31 games down the stretch last year. Uh, it'll be really cool to see what he can do with a full... A clean bill of health. We haven't really seen it coming into the start of the year for a couple of seasons, um, and obviously we haven't seen it over a fully 82 over the last uh, two or three seasons or so. So, um hopefully, he can stay helpful. Obviously, I realize I might be being a little unrealistic in that regard, but certainly capable of 40 plus assists, 20 plus goals, where he's at right now. And there's just too much talent to ignore at this point. You know where he's going in the draft with um with i guess the top eight guys that i've got ahead of him off the board already uh and then i got james van reamslake at 10 uh doesn't really have the ceiling that any of the other guys on this list do uh but he did average 20 or he has averaged 29 goals in his five seasons in toronto uh 28 years old coming to the season on the most talented team he's ever played with injuries held him to 40 games two years ago but he played a full 82 last season um so to me he's the only safe 30 goal scorer left on the board here so that's why he gets the last spot for me.
0: Vebs yeah uh, I was going to say mine yet again is uh is quite different but but that's good um so we give people a little bit of a little bit of different here but um but at number 6 I I I have uh Philip Forsberg as well and um just same thing as you guys he's young he's uh he's got to break out eventually he's just got so much talent there and uh, he's already shown us so much so I like him there. Number seven is kind of where I stepped out of the box. Um I went with Taylor Hall in this one. Um this is a twenty five year old first round pick who um now has another first round pick to play alongside with him. Um I know we we kinda hyped Taylor Hall in, in New Jersey last year and he really let a lot of people down, us included. Um but maybe Nico Hersher was or uh, Hershire, however you say it, is um is exact hurt he sure? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Got it. got it. Third try. Um but maybe he's uh what Taylor Hall kinda needed to get back to um Really, where he was two seasons ago, um, which really wasn't a bad player at all. An 80 point producer over 75 games. So, if he can get to a point per game, I think he's definitely worthy of the uh, 7 or 8th best spot um, for left wingers. <laughs> uh, but number 8 there, um, I have Max Patch already. Him, um, more my thing for him is just uh as we mentioned just we've seen what he's going to give us the guys in front of him I think that they can surpass that but if they don't um patch ready is always he's a safe pick and, and you know what you're getting um and then number nine Nikolai Ehlers um I honestly think honestly I should have even put him higher than this uh as he mentioned 62 points a year ago he's he's only been, kind of been climbing up um, in points each year he's He's still only what twenty-two. And Winnipeg looks extremely exciting with Blake Wheeler, um, obviously Patrick Line, and uh, and now obviously well not now but Nikolai Ehlers there too. Um, and then number ten, this is um, I kind of went outside the box again, but uh, Brendan Saad on Chicago. He's uh, he, he's come back to uh, to to where um, where he rightfully should have been playing um, just the whole time, um, but it, he's going to line up next to Jonathan Tays. They. have Ted so far, I mean, that could obviously change, but if he's had a lot of success in the, in the past, and he's still a young player who um, who could kind of have just a huge year out there in Chicago and be uh, be that third piece of the puzzle with uh, Kane and uh, Taze.
1: Yeah, definitely like Saad uh, headed back to Chicago there. Uh, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but I pulled something up uh, when I was writing about Saad preseason. Uh, when he was with Taves there a couple years ago, they had like a ridiculous like 60... 60.4 or something, Corsi 4, and like a yeah. 65% goals 4 rate when they played together two years ago, so it might be a nice uh, a nice homecoming for him, uh, but like, I guess the guy who went the other way I like a little more, uh, Artemi Panarin, who's, uh, who I have at number 6, um, I tend to agree with you a little bit there, D, uh, moving away from Patrick Kane obviously isn't ideal, uh, but I still think that the Blue Jackets—they kind of showed last year that they can uh, be a pretty good offensive team. Uh, certainly on the power play too, where Panarin does a lot of damage at the same time. So um, I still like Panarin in this position. Um, I have him projected for pretty much right around the same thirty goal, forty assist season he had last year. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it took a small hit. But uh, I'm wi- I'm willing to take a risk on a guy. Uh, who's tied for 6th the NHL in points over the last two seasons. Because um, really, that's just elite production. And, uh, you know, something, if you can get him as the 6th left winger and he goes out and he finishes top 5 in scoring again somehow, then, uh, you know, it's pretty well, well worth it. Yeah, and, you know, he stayed healthy through his, his brief NHL career and he's just put up ridiculous numbers. Uh, for me, seven is Max Pacioretty. Uh, Pacioretty's a guy that I always kind of target in fantasy because... You can usually get them a little bit later than kind of these upper tier guys, uh, but you know exactly what you're getting with them. Rarely misses time. Um, he scored 30 goals, uh, like pretty much every single year, um, and yeah. ranks fourth of the NHL with 141 goals over the last four seasons, so uh, pretty elite goal scorer. I, I guess not an elite goal scorer, but just a very consistent one in uh, the you know, Whenever you get, you know can easily put up goals in the mid-30s with 30 assists, it's nothing to scoff at. Uh, eight, Nikolai Ehlers. I think you guys had him in a pretty similar position. Uh, the one thing I really like yep. about Ehlers is all of the Jets' shot volume seemed to drop last year, which is kind of strange. I don't really know what the reasoning behind it was. Um, so if they all kind of rise, we could see Ehlers even top uh, his 204 shots from last year, which could turn him into... Uh, potential 30-goal guy this year. Uh, but even still, he's known a little bit more for his ability as a playmaker as well, so I like him for 40 assists. Um, number nine, I have Taylor Hall. Uh, this is a guy who a couple years ago we were like ranking him as the top or second left winger. Uh, obviously, yeah. the move to New Jersey didn't help his overall value, but uh, Hall has a lot of potential to be uh, to be a bit of a dark horse this year, uh, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit more later, so I won't spill all the beads right now. Uh, number 10, I'm right there with you on this one, D. Jonathan Huberto, another guy uh, that we've talked a lot about on this show. We really like the Huberto Barkoff combination out there in Florida. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of staying healthy for him at this point. Um, he's just really one of the most talented young forwards in the league, and it's just if he can stay healthy, he, he was at a uh, 70 point per 82 game pace last year. So that just kind of showcases, you know, what his high end ability is. Um, and then. D, I just kind of wanted to touch on your point there about JVR. Uh, I have him just outside the top ten at number eleven, and I wrote this for Leafs Nation the other day. I, and first of all, I don't think I ever really envisioned myself putting any uh, any of my work on a Maple Leaf site when I started uh, writing about hockey. But here I am now. Uh, Leafs are good, <laughs> and I'm writing for Leafs Nation here and there. So, uh, but Hello. He, he, he quietly had a career high last year. While it the big three of you know Matthews, Martin, Nealander really garnered all the attention. Um, But outside of 2015-16, Van Riemsdijk has been extremely durable, only missing two games in those other four seasons in Toronto. Um, And this stat is the one I thought was really cool. Uh, During that time, he's averaged, I think you already mentioned this, with 29 goals and 30 assists per 82 games, which is uh, really quality stuff. Uh, And his his, uh, .72 points per game uh, over that stretch is tied with the likes of Philip Forsberg, Leon Seidel, and David Paschernak. Uh, obviously, those guys weren't around for all four of those years, but those point-per-game totals are right on pace with guys like that. So JVR uh, certainly deserves to be in the conversation of, of a top-ten left winger, especially in fantasy circles. Uh, but I just... He's kind of like the, the same boat as Reddy. He's just not you know, as flashy or put, doesn't put up the gaudy numbers that some of these other guys are maybe capable of, but he's, he's another guy I go after every single year because he's just so, so, so steady. Um, so I had him coming in at number 11, just outside my top 10. But why don't we take a quick break here? And then when we get back, uh, after you guys listen to some of the beloved Blue Stones, we'll get to our breakout sleepers, rookies, and busts. So enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here in one minute. Broken
0: down, so I walked the line. I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Like a broken arrow Time slows And my vision arrows I'm out of money I'm out of time huh? Sing your heart out Sing it loud Make me happy
1: Ladies and gentlemen to episode two, season three of the Daily Face Off podcast. Adam Pac Man Jones almost just took one back to the host. Uh sorry, got a little <laughs> sidetracked here. <laughs> what? What? <laughs>
2: I thought he wasn't returning kicks, and I thought he wasn't going by Pac-Man anymore. No, so he, he probably is back isn't back going by Pac
1: Man, but he almost returned to Pun. Well, obviously. you should
2: call the man, but he wants to be called.
1: He almost fumbled it and then returned. Adam it. Jones. Uh but anyway No, but
2: see now it kinda sounds like we're talking about the baseball player.
1: Yeah, he's definitely yeah. Pac-Man still.
2: He should be Pac-Man. Any
1: yeah. man that was like almost like that was Pac-Man at any time is definitely still referred to as Pac-Man.
2: I just <laughs> watched that
0: clip and that was like not even close to just interrupting this podcast over No, I know, I'm sorry. To <laughs> make
2: a comment on. Like he was not even close to going. on. Hold on, on. I'm going to fire the game up.
1: Sorry he was pretty I'm close. On. But anyways, be, okay, well, D's <laughs> firing up the uh up the game there, Peeges. We'll start with you. Who is your breakout left wing for 2017-18?
0: A breakout left wing for, uh, for this year. is Someone who, um, who's kind of, I feel like I've been talking about, maybe not me, but people have been talking about this guy breaking out for years. Um, it just hasn't happened. But uh, Tanner Pearson on the LA Kings. And uh, kind of the reason why I have him breaking out, and maybe, maybe not even really that in, much into elite status. Um, last year he had 24 goals, 20 assists, which is pretty nice with the 24 goals, um, especially from uh, a weaker position like left wing. But, um, but for him, it's just a classic case of somebody has to score on a team, and he's probably just the best player to do it in L.A. right now. Um, him and Jeff Carter, and uh, and they're going to be playing together, it looks like, to start the year. So Tanner Pearson um, doesn't really have anyone behind him in L.A. Who um, I'm pretty sure it's Gabrick, who's like the next best chance to take uh, the, the first-line left-wing job. And, and like the chance hurt. of Gabrick playing more than six games is like, yeah. So... Um, Tanner Pearson, uh, kind of what I have him going for more this year. I have him more uh, um, reaching that thirty goal plateau, um, and for me, that would be a breakout for him, and that would uh, that would move him up into a higher tier of fantasy um, value. Um, but definitely someone who I like the position he's in. Um, I don't think LA is a terrible team, and he uh, could definitely put some points up on the power play for them. Um, and he's only only twenty five still. Um, took him a while to break out in junior, and maybe it's just taking a bit a bit to uh, really blossom in the NHL. Yeah, he
1: uh, he's really just kind of improved. Each of his first couple seasons here in the NHL, so you know if he just keeps improving, it's going to happen eventually. So, I like the pick. Yeah. I just like the pick because he really, like you said, he has no competition for plenty of time whatsoever. Yeah. Like he's just yeah, going to play massive minutes. Not the uh, same LA Kings
0: that we used no. to uh, fear.
1: Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be probably pretty. Well, they won't be bad just because they'll play some boring ass system. And Jonathan Quick will post. Jonathan like Quick a, will win a lot of games. Set, yeah. Set, a save percentage that just doesn't even make sense uh but d since you've probably put the game on now uh who is your breakout left wing
2: uh the game is on and it's going well so thank you for that andy dalton's hair is just on fire eh? the fact that he's like on the bangles it's just red on red i was thinking that last week i'm like he literally styles it like you look at his hair like looks like a flame dude it's crazy anyway um oh yeah andre burkowski uh, a guy <laughs> who's definitely gotten a lot of airtime in the past on this podcast way more um, than he deserves
1: probably yeah.
2: but uh sure. put up 35 points in 64 games last year just 13 minutes of ice time uh we've been calling for him to see more ice time the last couple of seasons certainly room for it now caps uh move marcus johansson the offseason he played over 17 minutes a night last year The ghost of Justin Williams is gone. Uh, I don't imagine Oshie going over 18 minutes a night again this year. So there's just a lot of room for Ryukovsky to move up the depth chart, uh, especially in regards to power play time. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, all he needs is that opportunity. He's good enough already. He's extremely skilled offensively. And even his diminished role last year, he put up 2.47 points per 60. Um, That's ahead of the likes of Jonathan Taves, Logan Couture, and Ryan Johansson in that respect. Uh, so I'm pretty high on Andre Burakovsky. He's going pretty low on the draft board right now. Uh, definitely a decent fire we're taking at the end of the draft, especially considering he's got the uh, dual wing eligibility. So.
1: Yeah, uh, Burakovsky, it just kind of seems like the same thing over and over and over again. We're just like, man, this guy's good. If only he played, then he never seems to play. But this year, if he doesn't play, then something's up because there's all the room in the world on that depth chart now for him to see some expanded minutes this year. Uh, for me, I like Sebastian Aho in Carolina. Uh, this might be a little bit of an easy one, but uh, he had such a good rookie season that I just, you know, I love him for this season. Uh, he came to the <laughs> NHL last year with high expectations after he literally just dominated the World Juniors on uh, route to F- Finland winning gold. He had 14 points in seven games, uh, which is disgusting. Uh, the 20-year-old, like, was just pretty much exactly what we'd expect coming in, you know, off of a year like that, coming to the NHL. 24 goals, 25 assists. Uh, But he's really kind of been known as more of a playmaker, so 24 goals was a bit surprising. But uh, he carried an incredibly impressive 58.7 Corsi 4 and an 8.9 Corsi rel. Uh, That's pretty good for a rookie coming to the league. So that just showcased just how good he was. Um, And the reason, I guess, why he scored 24 goals was because he fired 214 shots, uh, which suggests that 25 to 30 goals really is a maintainable uh, rate for him to score at. Uh, and the, the Hurricanes should probably improve this year. Uh, they're expected to be a playoff team, um, so we should see his assist totals rise as well. Uh, so I like Ajo for somewhere between 25 and 30 goals, 40-plus uh, assists, which would be a nice uptick from his production last year. Uh, you know... Everybody's worried about the sophomore slump with second year forwards, but some guys are just too talented that you don't even have to worry about it. So I like Sebastian <laughs> Aho uh, coming into 2017-18. Uh, but Beebs, who's your sleeper?
0: I have to say first, I love that Carolina and and, um, and Arizona guys are just starting to get some recognition in fantasy. It's just cool to see these names on teams like that. And, you know, before it was just your you don't hear that a lot, so I'm about that. <laughs> um, but now I'm about to go right to a team that everyone picks up fantasy guys off of. Um, my sleeper is Patrick Sharp. Um, he is now back on Chicago, and which uh, I don't know why, but Chicago's just building like their roster from 2011 again, um, or when, whenever he last touched there and they won the Cup. Um, but basically, he's coming back, and it's kind of for a redemption, um, redemption season. At 35, he's not really that much over he's not he's not over the hill at all um you see a lot of guys be successful at 35 we see guys like jogger be successful at 44 um so i i uh i still have faith in patrick sharp the reason why i have him as a sleeper is because this is a guy who i think is going to go very very late in drafts or not at all just based off last year's stats um people will hit that little icon that has his name and they'll see oh he only had uh 24 points or 28 whatever it was last year and that'll just keep them away but um this is someone who um (laughs) You know he's only one year removed from a 55 point campaign um, in Dallas, and if you can get that on a roster, that, that's um, certainly rosterable. Um, and he's now uh, they haven't projected a lineup with Patrick Kane and um, Artemi and which last year anyone who touched those two kind of just got freebie points. So that's kind of what I'm banking on for Patrick Sharp. Um, he's a very good shooter, and as we talked about with OV, shots don't really. It's one thing that you can kind of depend on. Um, Scores score. That's what they do. And uh, he's a four-time 30 goal scorer with the Blackhawks, so um, I kind of I'm expecting him to kind of have a little bit of that magic back. Um, I just think he could be a very sneaky pick for a lot of people late in drafts. If he's sitting there, you need a left winger. Think about it; he'll be playing top six, so I like it.
1: <laughs> oh man, when you were just when you said scorers score, that's what they do. All I could think of was uh, <laughs> wedding crashers. Now it's just like sure, football sure. and crab cakes. That's what Maryland does. Uh, that's all I could think of. I was just could could wait to start laughing. <laughs> I was wondering that's why you were giggling. Shooter, shooter, like, shoot! Or shoot it's like, that's what I they do. That's what they do. But uh, no, Sharp's back home, baby. He's uh, he's comfortable. They they reassembled the old uh, the old bands back together. So we'll see what they can do. But I mean, like you said, somebody's got to play with Patrick Kane this year. And if it's Sharp, then look out. Even if he plays with Taves, uh, could be a nice sleeper. I was gonna I like say we it.
0: watched like Richard Panic get. Crazy fantasy
1: status last year playing yeah. with him. So yeah, there you I mean, go. C- come on, Patty Sharp. He's back home. Baby. Come on, come on, uh, D. Who do you like Patty. as your sleeper this year?
2: Um. So this has got to be at least like the seventh time I've talked about this guy on the show. <laughs> uh. But Nino Niederreiter hey. still hey being no. taken in the thirteenth round. <laughs> Average pick one thirty nine right now. Uh. So you know. It's the same story Fire as Bierkowski. Yeah. He showed an ability to produce despite you know minimal ice time. He's averaged just fifteen minutes a game uh, over the last few seasons. Put up twenty five goals and thirty two assists in a full eighty two. Despite that, thirteen um, percent career shooter. So it, it, you know it, it does feel like we say it every year. But if he gets the ice time, um, he deserves this guy. Really can be a good borderline elite fantasy player. Um, you know, but as I also pointed out he he has shown the ability to produce in a limited role um like i said 25 goals 32 assists that's still definitely rosterable on a fantasy team um so you combine that again with dual wing eligibility makes him a crazy good value pick for where he's going right now because um you know he's going to be rosterable either way he's got a solid enough floor and if he does see that uh uptick in ice time that there's really absolutely no excuse for him not to get this year um then yeah look out like the Honestly, this guy, I honestly think the sky's the limit for this guy. Been talking him up for years. It would be cool.
1: <laughs> if the
2: Minnesota Wild coaching staff shows the same confidence in they him. They
1: need to listen to the podcast. Uh, seriously, Mike dude? Yo. Come on, Mike. But remember,
2: there was even uh, just one stretch last year when the Wild were going through some injury problem and Need Rider was getting first line minutes and he was producing like a first line player. <laughs> I, remember, like,
1: um, I remember it exactly because I tweeted it out, like the line combinations. I was like, finally. And mm-hmm. then I think I quote tweeted it from my account. I'm like, Nino! And I probably quote it from the podcast account. I was like, Nino! <laughs> and then he tore it up, we're like, okay, this, this is it. This is his time. This is this, what this he actually- what we're waiting for. This, And then and then like they got healthy again, and they're like, Yeah, back to the third line. Dude, like he ranked eighth among wild forwards in Ice Time last year. Sixth That's in amazing. power That's play time so on ice. Dumb. It makes no it's puzzling. It's honestly just makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. But like he really and that's the thing that where his his current ADP is, it's perfect because even if you get him there and he plays his 14 minutes a night or whatever the shit it is, he's still gonna produce like a you know a late mid to late round pick. But then if he gets those minutes, he could literally produce like a top like a like a top five round pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just oh my god, they're so dumb.
2: It's, it's- crazy how like literally just the ice he I mean, deserves could push him to be like a 65 point guy like yeah easily
1: dude it, dude eight eight among wild forwards a nice time that makes no sense
2: yeah there's no way there's eight better forwards
0: on that team
1: well no. seven but well yeah good, good math, math. <laughs> uh hey. my sleepers taylor <laughs> hall uh, i told okay. you guys i <laughs> would talk about him a little of bit good more math. uh <laughs> <got> jeff ross <laughs> <laughs> Hall is now three years removed uh, from his career year of 80 points, like Beeps alluded to earlier. Uh, in his first season with the Devils, he posted 53 points, 20 goals, 33 assists in 72 games. Um, crazy to think that Hall is still only 25 years old, uh, but he had a strong 52.2 Corsi 4 with a 7.6 Corsi 4 rel, uh, and that combined with his low 7.2 on-a-shooting percentage gives reason to be optimistic about Hall entering 2017-18. Uh... He continues to just fall down draft boards, see me the every year. A couple years ago after 80 points, we're like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. Then he like, came <laughs> down a little bit, like, okay, he's not as good as we thought, but he's still probably pretty good. I still and then, now, then he went to New Jersey, and we're like, eh. <laughs> and so now he's like, well, now we're like, oh, is he in the top 10? I think he certainly is. Uh, so he continues to fall down draft boards, uh, but he was a former first or second round fantasy pick, so just kind of goes to show how much we used to believe in him and everybody really believed in him. Uh, and now... He'll get to play likely beside fellow first overall pick Nico Hischier, um, and the two could really become one of the most dangerous young duos in the NHL. Uh, you know, he- he- Hischier is expected to be really dynamic for the Devils this year, and right next to Hall, I mean, those two could be filthy. Uh, and Kyle Palmieri has been pretty solid on the other yeah, wing there. Just uh, does it, just gets, <laughs> it <laughs> just, get, just gets the job done. So Hall really just has a ton of sleeper value and a ton of upside entering this season. Um, I just really think there's no reason not to like him at this point. Like where he's going in drafts, uh, I mean, if you can get him as a, you know, the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh left winger off the board, uh, he certainly has top five, if not top three, uh, upside at the position, making him an obvious sleeper candidate, in my opinion. Um, but D, uh, let's go back to you and talk about some rookies. Actually, okay. we won't start with you because is this your rookie that's messed up or is that right wing?
2: Mm, no this one's good
1: okay let's start oh, with you then these are good <laughs> no but he doesn't have like a legitimate rookie at right wing so no, no he's good he's no fun. he's good for left wing let's do it he's good.
2: Yeah. okay um i know so i'm pretty sure i spoke to this before but projecting rookies not always the most fun task uh <laughs> nor is it easy you don't really have uh anything to go off of um but one guy, you know, that you can kind of expect to do better should he land a top six or a top nine role is Kyle Connor, uh, selected ninth or seventeenth overall, excuse me, in 2015. Connor went on to be NCAA Freshman of the Year, Big Ten Player of the Year the year before, turning pro last year. Um, he did okay and he's kind of what they call you know the cup of coffee he had f- I think five points 20 games something along those lines but yeah. he did impress in the AHL last year 25 goals 19 assists so good for 44 points in 52 AHL games that's very solid production from a 20 year old Um, so yeah he, we'll see where he ends up in Winnipeg's roster this year Um, if he lands that top six role he's definitely got 50 point upside Uh, yeah obviously like like we said a lot of talent uh, a lot of skill but Winnipeg's got a decent amount of that up front right now. So we'll kind of have to see how the roster shakes out.
1: Yeah, I he's just he's just so good. He's another one of those he's just depends where he lands. Like some guys that are like, you know, you got your he shares or whatever his stupid name is, Noel Patrick. Like you know they're going to their teams and landing guaranteed roles. But uh Connor is a guy who I kind of expected to have a good rookie season last year, and it just didn't materialize, but uh, you know, one one real good year of the AHL could do uh, a lot for a young player like that. So hopefully he does land a, a quality mm-hmm. role. Beebs, you're a rookie. Who you got? Um, I, I, So rookies
0: are kind of, they're, they're few and far between, um, which I kind sure. of had to pull here. But this is someone who's who's more getting, he's getting recognition here just strictly because he should get ice time this year. And that's um, Jakob Rana out in Washington. Um, this is uh, a guy who played 21 games last year. So he just kind of just avoided that rookie status or uh, taking away his rookie status. So he still has it, um, but it was enough just to kind of get his feet wet to kind of feel out the league um, and to put up uh six points, which is a, uh not not anything to, to write home about, but um, definitely something to build off of going into this year. Um, but now that he has kind of felt the speed of NHL hockey, it's not like it's anything not going to be new to him. He's not going to have that culture shock, or shouldn't, at least. And it's someone who um, who might crack the Washington top six. Um, as we mentioned, they had a couple guys move out of there, Marcus Johansson, as well as um, Jason the Ghost Williams. Jason? Um, so. <laughs> the ghost justin Jeez, yeah jason Williams. oh jason williams might actually be a ghost um but he was great old detroit and chicago player but um but yeah i, li- I like um yakov runa like i mentioned um because of um, just because of he might get that ice time I and mean, there aren't other there, there isn't really anyone else who looks like they could take it from him at the moment. Um, and if he does line up in that top, top six, that's one of the best top sixes in the league. And just, you know, as a rookie um, who gets that, who gets to say they can do that or um, who gets that fantasy status. Um, he can also earn a little bit of power play two time, just um, which just can add to his value quite a bit. Um, yeah, that's my Yakov Rana sp- spiel.
1: Like Vrana. also was a
0: first-round pick, so I mean, he's got some talent.
1: I like Vrana, but uh, I like Clayton Keller more.
0: Yeah, after. I, I do too.
1: Clayton Keller yeah, turned yeah. pro last season after finishing up his freshman campaign at Boston University. Uh, Keller was the number seven overall pick and led BU with 45 points, <laughs> 21 goals, and 24 assists in 31 games. Um, and then he had a like Dean just said, a brief cup of coffee in Arizona. Uh, but he actually picked up two assists in three games, and he's certainly expected to make the team out of training camp uh, this fall. Uh, Keller doesn't have great size, or I shouldn't even say great size. He doesn't have ideal size. He's only 5'10, uh, 168, but owns outstanding speed and ability. Uh, he's shown a tremendous knack for scoring goals, but he's equally good at setting up his line mates as well. Uh, he he goes to Arizona where he could obviously land an immediate top six role. Uh, they're, they're not overly deep, but they're also a very young team. So, uh, it's not like he'll be fighting with veterans for playing time. Uh, he'll be fighting with kids, his own age to, to, you know, to play in that top six, uh, which, you know, I think if he can land a, you know, a consistent, uh, high volume minute role, uh, I think Keller could certainly challenge for the rookie scoring title this year. Um, He's he's kind of reminds me of a Mitch Marner. Uh, people kind of said that you know Marner might not make oh. it in the NHL because he's so small, uh, but he's just so quick and shifty, and just has magnificent hands. And it's just so hard to knock him off the puck. So I look for Keller to kind of play a similar style game uh, out in Arizona. Uh, doesn't have the same surrounding cast as Mitchy does, but uh, he's got a pretty decent young group Mitchie. of forwards around him. <laughs> uh, so <I'm> <laughs> Mitchy. Uh, but D, who's your bust? <laughs>
2: um, Not to talk shit on a guy Beavs was talking up earlier, but I'm going to talk about Brandon Sod for a second. Oh, uh, ooh, <laughs> I've always been a fan. Uh, I've definitely talked him up on the show before. And yeah, I am hopeful you will finally break out, especially alongside Patrick Kane. Uh, but I'm just not about to bet on that right now, ahead of the guys that uh, are going behind him that are kind of like the safe bet for 60, 65 points. He's never dropped more than 53 points in a season. He's only been above 25 goals once. Um, So he'll be 25 this year, and I just think if he had the ability to replicate what Panarin did the last few seasons in Chicago, like everyone kind of wants to believe he can, I feel like we would have seen more of that in Columbus. Uh, He kind of had every opportunity in the world there to figure it out and get it going, but he never really could over a full 82 anyway um so yeah that's just it for me right now I just don't like where he's going on the board still like him as a player he could very well have a career year this season would not be surprised at all but like I said I would just rather bet on some of the safer options around him
1: yeah um I was gonna let Beebs go first but I think I'm gonna take it because I'm kind of in the same boat as you with uh sad I went with Ricard Raquel he's another guy who I've talked about on the podcast before I think I talked about him being a sleeper last year um And just Because he scored 20 goals in 2015-16 and then exploded for 33 goals, 18 assists, 51 points in 71 games last season. Uh, Like I said, don't get me wrong, I really do like Raquel. I like uh, him as a player. I like the team he plays for. I like the the line that he plays on with Getzlaff and Perry. Uh, But he shot a ridiculous 18.6% last year. Uh, And if his shooting percentage regresses to about the 12% the 12% mark from the year prior. uh, I would have put Raquel at 21 goals opposed to 33, which is a little bit more, I think where he could be this year. Uh, Playing with Getzlaff and Perry obviously makes him a candidate to still shoot for 30 goals, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, increased shot volume or whatever it may be. Um, But his high personal shooting percentage and on a shooting percentage, percentage, excuse me, uh, is an obvious cause for concern. Uh, I just think that people are going to see what he did last year, or people like that had him on their team last year are going to want him again and might reach for him a little bit earlier than they should. I still think he, he could be a, a nice fantasy asset this year. I just think that he's going to go uh, far earlier than he should. Uh, so he's my bust, although I do, uh, I would take him if the, you know, the, the right round or right pick uh, came to me. But Beebs, who's your bust?
0: Um, my bus is someone who is kind of, I'm sure, going a lot lower down the board than maybe the likes of the two people of you dropped. Um, but it's Evander Kane uh, out in Buffalo this year, and I'm normally the first person to you know bump up the Buffalo people. Uh, Brock's the one to put them down, so I'm surprised this isn't you, Brock, doing this.
1: But um, I'm, I'm more against uh, the city.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but for, yeah, that, I'm not going to touch it this week. But um, Evander Kane last year had 28 goals um, and 43 points, which was. Um, his uh, second highest totals but um, in his career, except for his last highest totals, came in 2011. So that was uh, nearly five years ago. Um, he really hasn't done much since, and I don't think we should forget that. Um, this is someone who gets constantly hurt every year. Um, that's kind of why I, I don't like picking Patrick Kane, Or Sorry, I like pitch, picking Patrick Kane. This is why I don't like pick, picking Vander <laughs> Kane, is because um, he's going to end up on your IR, and a lot of times you find yourself wondering, is this guy worth even putting on my IR, or should I drop him? Um, I just don't even want to touch the likes of him. He's um, he's one of those guys where I think that there's more talent in Buffalo that can surpass him, that it's going to kind of put him back down the depth chart. We've seen him play on the fourth line last year, um, even with a 28-goal year um he was shooting his highest percentage of his career last year to three percent above his uh his career average and i kind of see him going back to his career average of seven percent and if he does that i could see him as more a 20 goal uh, 15 assist guy which is someone you're barely you're not even gonna really consider rostering maybe a couple spot starts here and there but for me i just stay away from evander kane
1: yeah he's just too much of a uh injury risk uh durability yep. is a massive concern for him uh but let's get to twitter questions really quick uh, we have just a couple here. Uh, we'll save one for our right wing uh, episode, but our left wing episode uh, we, comes from at Cam Mills 24. Said glad to have you guys back. Appreciate it. And he says, Does Saad ha- become fantasy relevant by returning to Chicago? And how does Panarin to Columbus affect his value? Um, I think we probably answered his questions on the show. Uh, we talked uh, quite a bit about both of those guys. Uh, I think obviously Saad remains fantasy relevant. Uh, but I yep. do have, uh, I think there is cause for concern. Uh, just based on his draft stock alone, like D, uh, alluded to there, but I still think obviously whenever you head back to a team that you had a lot of success with, uh, especially if he lands on a, a line with Taves, I kind of alluded to his, uh, his Corsi 4 and goals 4 percentage those two together uh, when they played together last and it was pretty impressive so he could have a really big year and again we talked pretty much uh, at length about Panarin's value in Columbus uh, I don't think it hurts it too too much but it doesn't uh, ever really help, doesn't help when right? you don't move away from Pat when you move excuse me when you move away from Patrick Kane so uh, look for him. both of those guys have pretty good years but it remains to be seen you know how much it will actually affect their overall value uh, what an insane play in the football game. <laughs> As I was talking there, I really started I'm losing watching. focus there, just watching Jane. I could tell. I was watching it happen and just hearing <laughs> Oh, man, I'm on delay. Oh, just wait for it. It's going to be crazy. But anyways, that was our Left Wing Preview episode. Uh, this was Season 3, Episode 2. Uh, what? We're, we're literally about... <laughs> to <That's sooner now. laughs> Follow us at DFO Podcast,
2: by the way. Yes, hopefully. make
1: sure to follow us at DFO Podcast on Twitter, and if you have any questions, feel free to... <laughs> Reach us there. Uh, Biebs usually handles the Twitter side of things. Uh, If you want a more direct answer from myself, feel free to just tweet at Daily Faceoff or at Brock underscore Segan. Uh, But anyways, we're going to record the Right Wing podcast immediately following the end of this podcast, and we'll release it uh, probably a couple days apart from each other. Uh, So anyways, let's go with the Right Wingers. Talk to you guys I guess in a couple more, in a couple days, but really yeah. in a couple hours, we'll be talking about the same football game, probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, it. true. true. <laughs> anyways, I'm Brock Segan, uh for Biebs, Blondie, and Deep DePere. You have a good one. Speaking for from...
2: me. Peace. Whoa, whoa.